welcome back to Huck of a Book. I'm your host, Ellie Mano, age 13, and to celebrate the 100th official episode of Hook of a Book, I'll be reviewing This Is How I Roll and interviewing the author, Debbie Michiko Florence. First, I'd like to say thank you so much, everyone, for helping get Hook of a Book to 100 episodes. When I started this podcast in January of 2021, as an 11-year-old, I thought this would just be a little side project for a few months, and I never imagined I would review a hundred books and counting. Thank you to everyone who has sent in a listener request. I found so many good books through you guys, and I love connecting with you over email. It's so cool to meet other kids who love to read as much as I do. Okay, let's get into the book review. This is How I Roll will be released on January 3rd, 2023. I received an advanced reader's copy. It's written by Debbie Michiko Florence, the same author as Keep It Together, Keiko Carter, and Sweet and Sour, both of which I reviewed on earlier episodes. I had a conversation with Miss Florence about both her writing process and This is How I Roll, which you'll hear a little later in the episode. I loved this book so much. The characters each had so many layers, and I enjoyed reading about the food Sana, the main character, cooks. Let me read you a summary of This Is How I Roll right now. Sana has just moved to Piper Bay from San Francisco. She's had to leave all of her friends behind, but it isn't so bad. Her cousin Charlie lives close by, so Sana at least has one friend. Sana's biggest aspiration is to be a sushi chef, just like her dad, who has won multiple awards for his food. This summer, a famous filmmaker is making a documentary about Sana's dad. This is great and all, but Sana had hoped to learn cooking techniques from her dad this summer. Instead, he's super busy, and in his free time, he doesn't seem interested in teaching her how to cook like him. He won't explain the reason behind this, which leads Sana to believe he just doesn't support her cooking journey. But soon, Sana meets Koji, a boy who has a bad boy reputation, according to Charlie. Sana doesn't see why. Koji is kind and sweet, and Sana really wants to be his friend. What did he do to get that kind of reputation? They start spending a lot of time together, and that's when they get the idea to start a cooking channel on YouTube. Sana isn't so sure her parents would say yes to this, but Koji and Sana go ahead. The only thing? Koji is friends with Harley, a girl who seems to have it out for Sana. Harley doesn't really like Sana at all, and she's really protective of Koji. Sana doesn't know what she did to make Harley hate her so much, but one thing's for sure. Harley definitely isn't thrilled about This Is How I Roll, the cooking channel Sana and Koji started. On another note, Koji doesn't exactly know about Sana's dad being a famous sushi chef, and Sana doesn't want to tell him. It'll make it too weird. Sana is now lying to Koji as well as her parents, and it's becoming a lot to handle. She doesn't know how she feels about Koji. There might be a crush starting to develop, and she doesn't want to jeopardize the possibility of him liking her back. As This Is How I Roll gains popularity, Sana starts finding it harder and harder to keep up with the lies she's had to tell everyone. Is she going to crack under the pressure? I really enjoyed reading about the different foods in This Is How I Roll. The dishes that were described made my mouth water. The scenes where Koji and Sana, and sometimes Harley, were filming the cooking show were some of my favorites to read. I really enjoyed this lighthearted, inspiring book. It definitely made me want to go cook something. Let me read you a passage from This Is How I Roll right now. 
Ever since I was a little kid, Dad had taught me kitchen safety. By the time I was eight, I was chopping vegetables with a real knife on my own, and soon after I was making side dishes without his help. I'd felt like a real sous chef. One night when I was ten, Dad came home from work. Mom had already put me to bed, but I snuck out into the hallway to listen because my parents only talked about interesting things when they thought I was asleep. A woman had applied for an open position as a sushi chef. Dad's boss said that women couldn't make sushi. Something about their body temperature being too high? Whatever. He wouldn't even look at the application. I had been so angry that he hadn't even interviewed the woman, because someday that might be me. I wondered then if Dad had felt the same, that women shouldn't be sushi chefs. It wasn't something I could ever ask him because I wasn't supposed to be listening in the first place. A couple of days later, when Dad was teaching me how to make Japanese curry from scratch, I had accidentally put sugar instead of flour into the roux. I'd been singing along to the music playing and I hadn't been paying attention. To be fair, Mom had moved the canisters and had put sugar in front of the flour. Mom didn't follow the rules in our kitchen as closely as I did. But all the same, I should have noticed. Dad had snapped at me and I'd cried. All lessons stopped and not long after, we moved to Piper Bay. Dad wouldn't teach me or let me hang out at his restaurant either. But I was going to change his mind by cooking something so spectacular, he'd not only be impressed, I would win his respect. Then he'd see how serious I was, and maybe, just maybe, he'd show me how to cook again and even allow me to work in his restaurant. And it had to happen soon. Once summer was over and school was back in session, my studies would be the priority. Mom always made that clear. The pancakes I made this morning would need to prove to Dad that I was worthy. I chose to read that passage to you because you get to see how much Sana really wants her dad's approval in the kitchen. It really matters to her that he sees how she wants to follow in his footsteps. Debbie Michiko Florence's writing is so engaging, and I thoroughly enjoy every book of hers that I read. I had a conversation with Miss Florence about This Is How I Roll and her writing process. Let me play it for you. Thank you so much for agreeing to do the interview. So how did you get into writing? Like what inspired you to write your first book really? Well, I'll have to start off by saying I've always loved to write. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been writing since I was six years old. My mom actually saved all my stories, but I, I have pretty much been writing stories since then, but I never shared them with anybody unless they were a class assignment and I had to, but I just like write stories all the time for myself. Uh, and when I went to college, I didn't really think about that it could be a career. Uh, I don't know why I didn't put that together, but I didn't. So I went on to study zoology, and I got my teacher's certificate, and I was a, a classroom teacher for a short bit, but then I was an educator at a zoo. Oh, that's really uh, cool. All this time, I'm still writing stories, I'm still writing, uh, reading books, but then when I got married, my husband's job took us to Mexico, and obviously I couldn't keep my job, and I didn't know enough Spanish to like work there. So I started thinking about what else do I love to do, and that's when I remembered how much I, I loved to write, and that's when I decided I was going to um, try and write for a publication. And not only that, I wanted to write for young people, because for me, um, my favorite books and the books that meant the most to me were the books I read when I was your age and younger and older too, but you know, all through school. Uh, but it took me a, an additional 15 years of uh, writing and learning and going to workshops and revising and getting lots of rejections until I published my first book. Mm -hmm. So what were your favorite books as a kid? All the Judy Bloom books, mm -hmm. definitely. 
Charlotte's Web. Um, I, and you probably never heard of these books because they're all out of print, but there was a, a bunch of books by an author named Ruth Chu, and they were like magic books. They're like magic in the park, and it'd be like regular kids like falling into a portal, or one of them gets turned into a squirrel, and they have to figure out <laughs> how to turn them back. So I love those books. I loved um, the Narnia, Narnia Chronicles and A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Leingle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All of those books, I, I loved to read. Yeah, most of them besides the magic ones. I've read, like, Charlotte's Web. They're all so good. So what do you want people to know about your new book, um, This Is How I Roll? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, it's about, uh, well, all of my uh, middle grade books up till now, and this one included, mm-hmm. is about friendship, family, and first crushes. Mm-hmm. So it's got all of those in there. It's about a girl who loves to cook, but she has this famous sushi chef dad, and she feels like he doesn't really want her to. So when she meets this really cute boy, uh, Koji Yamada, and his mom offers to teach her um, Japanese cooking, she's very excited, but she feels like her, her family's not going to support her. Her best friend, who's also her cousin, is like, ooh, Koji, you know, he's bad news, don't talk to him. So all of a sudden, she's keeping all these secrets. And we all know what happens when we keep secrets. Yeah. <laughs> so about Koji, he was a really interesting character to me because he had so many layers. Sana believes, she wants to believe Koji and she also wants to believe her cousin and both of them are saying complete, well, her cousin is telling her something completely different than what she believes in. So what was the process of creating Koji like? Um, how did you like explore the layers of his character? Oh my goodness, such great questions. Um, Well, I started off, uh, interestingly enough, I like to challenge myself. I don't like to write the same thing over and over. Uh, So up until Koji, um, all the boy, the the crush characters, have been kind of like not entirely appealing right away. Like the, the, the female characters usually are like, oh, that person's annoying. And I I thought, this time I'd like to challenge myself and create a character that my main character finds nice and attractive, and he's nice to her. Uh, But what happens if somebody tells her that that's not true? So that's how I started out. I started out with that premise. And then the way I write, um, once I have a premise, I do a really horrible first draft that I never share with anybody. Mm -hmm. And that way I feel very safe just writing whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And... um, it wasn't until the second draft that Koji's character, because I have to tell you that for the first, the very first draft, he, he was boring. <laughs> it's like, he is not fun to write because he's just so nice and he's kind and um, he's nice to Sana. Uh, and so it wasn't until I introduced Harley into a, a, the next draft that things became more interesting. Yes. And um, so Harley was kind of like this foil for. Uh, Sana, all of a sudden she was like making it difficult for Sana to befriend Koji and be feel very natural with him. So I think that's the way I kind of tried to add layers into Koji. So Sana really likes to cook. She, um, and she just wants her dad's approval and she wants him to be able to teach her how to, like, all his secrets basically in the kitchen. And um, I was wondering, do you have an interest in cooking? Like, is that how Sana's interest got started? Uh, this is a funny question. So I don't <laughs> cook at all. Uh, my husband does all the cooking. Um, I used to cook, um, 
earlier in our marriage, he, he worked a lot. And so I did all the cooking. I don't dislike cooking. Um, I, I can cook, but it's not the thing that I do that, you know, brings me great joy or I find very relaxing or fun where my husband just loves it and he finds it a, a nice way to unwind and be creative where I'm a recipe follower. I can follow yes. a recipe. Uh, and sometimes it's fun. Sometimes I'll, I'll think I want to make something, but, um, I do love Japanese food mm -hmm. and I grew up with Japanese food. My mom and my grandma um, would cook all the time. So I have very fond memories um, attached to Japanese cooking and Japanese food. And so when I was thinking about Sana and her love for cooking, I really wanted it to be for Japanese cooking mm -hmm. because I could totally relate to that. And so I, I don't know, you can cut this out if this is a spoiler, but you know, there's that scene where she's trying to learn Japanese, make how to make Japanese omelets, tamago, yes. for the first time. And that scene where she doesn't do it well at all, that's exactly what happened to me the first time I tried to learn. <laughs> yeah. The dishes that um, are described in This Is How I Roll were, they made my mouth water. You, did, you were so descriptive with them. And... The cover is also very appealing for the cooking aspect because um, there's a the little cute sushi rolls. And so the cover, I want to give a shout out to Jacqueline Lee mm -hmm. because she's the cover artist. She did both Sweet and Sour and This Is How I Roll. Oh, really? I think she does such an awesome job. Yeah, the art is so appealing. Art. It's so cute. Everything's so cute and perfect. Yeah. Um, and regarding the kawaii sushi, um, I am not artistic at all. Um, <laughs> Me I, neither. I can't draw. I mean, you know, I if I really put my mind to it, maybe I could, but it's not the thing that I do. My daughter is very um, artistic and passionate. She loves um, frosting cupcakes and whatever, you know, makes, makes really cute things. So I thought, oh, this would be totally something she could do is mm -hmm. to make these kawaii sushi. And so not me. But I asked my daughter to try some out, and I started looking at YouTube videos and, and books. My, my sister has a book of kawaii bento that oh, you know, cool. she make cute little lunches for, her, for my niece. Uh, but I, I thought it was a fun way to do sushi for kids because, really, Sana at age 12 and not having access to her dad's kitchen mm -hmm. isn't going to be slicing up raw fish on her own. Yeah. Uh, so I had to think of what could a... Um, a young person make in the kitchen without any supervision, without her being in danger. So I thought the kawaii sushi was a fun way to go. And, you know, most of us can do that if we wanted to try. If you can answer this without giving too many spoilers, what was one of the, what scene from This Is How I Roll was your favorite to write? I think, I think my favorite ones were every time they, uh, Koji and Sana did the cooking video. Yes. I loved, like, the first time they did it, it was very natural, right? They were mm -hmm. just goofing off and making stuff. And then they came up with the idea to make, a like, a, like a cooking show. And, um, every time I, and every time I wrote one of those scenes, um, I just had so much fun just imagining uh, making a show and uh, talking. Because I watch cooking shows all the time, actually. <laughs> Even though I don't love to cook, I love watching cooking shows. Yeah. So I just imagine how fun that would be to, like, be making stuff and narrating it and having someone film. Uh, so those were my favorite scenes to write. Yeah, they were one of my, there's definitely some of my favorite to read, too. They were really, um, they were really just fun sounding. And also, that's kind of when I started noticing Harley's jealousy sort of start, like, creeping up more and more. So moving away from this book, but how, 
and more about your writing process, how do you usually begin a book? Like, what's your normal, like, first steps into beginning a book? Um, I start with a premise or an idea. So, like, you know, uh, for Keiko Carter, what would happen if a girl had two best friends and they started fighting? How, how would she react? So that, that's how I start. I usually come up with an idea or a premise, and then I just write an entire first draft without knowing too much. Like, I'm not an outliner. I'm what they call a pantser. I write by the seat of my pants. And um, I just make stuff up as I go, and I don't worry about how horrible it is because I'll never share it with anyone. Just knowing that nobody would ever see it uh, makes me feel a little bit freer about, you know, making mistakes or writing really cliched things or predictable things because then after that is my favorite part is where I start um like looking at the whole thing and finding the little threads or the themes or oh this character is interesting I wonder if she could do this or that and then I start revising and that's my favorite part I revise maybe three times I do a a real first draft once I know what the story's about I do something called what I call plotting draft so I just focus on the plot of the story and make sure that there's an arc and a climax and obstacles and uh, and then I go back and do a character draft which um, now that I know what the plot is I try and weave in the characters uh, into doing the things that you need them to do to move the plot board or figure out who's the antagonist or you know who's going to be helping and what's the horrible thing that happens at the end of act two yes um, and, uh, and then by then, usually I can just like kind of revise and just tweak things. So usually it takes me like, oh my goodness, maybe four drafts until I have something that I feel pretty good about. Okay, so yeah, that's, that's how I've always wanted to write, but I just can't ever seem to. Um, once I start my first draft, I just always, I, I love writing stories to give you context, um, but then I always just, with... With my first draft, I'm always worried somebody's gonna like stumble across it, so I try to make it as good as I can. So I'm gonna try, um, I'm gonna try just spilling it out onto the page and then working on refining it later. So, right. um, so do you find that you can't finish your draft or? Yes, that's mainly what happens because I'll usually like be writing and then I like realize that I don't like what I'm writing or like I find it too like cheesy or too boring or just I don't, I don't like it usually. And so well, you'll be happy to know that's normal. That is natural. That means you are a writer because we all do that. So now you just have to learn to push yourself to get to the ending and just trust that no one's ever going to see it and you will yeah. get a chance to make it better. Yeah. Thank you so much for that tip. So what do you find most challenging about writing? Like, is there anything that's just like you just kind of like hang your head and just like don't want to do, but you have to do it and like. Yeah. <laughs> Those first drafts. Yeah. I don't like the blank page. Um, looking at a blank page really stresses me out. I, I, I'll tell you this. I love starting a story. I don't know if you're like that, too, because you say mm -hmm. you can start your stories, but then you kind of stop. Um, I love writing the first chapter. Um, yes. I love writing the first chapter. And after that, it gets hard. Uh, so one of the ways I trick myself there's, and I really need to look this up because you're the third person I've said this to in the last two months. There's a quote out there, um, and I don't know who said it, but um, writing is like driving at night uh, with your headlights on. You can't see the entire road, but you can see just as far as the light is shining on the road. And that's how I write. I will, I will write, and when I, when I end for the day or whatever, I know kind of 
what the next scene is and that's it and so I will let, write a little note to myself so when I come back and open my document I don't have a blank page there are some words there kind of giving me a hint as to what I think happens next so maybe that'll work for you yeah so you said you don't typically outline your stories so do you um usually have like a a good idea of where things are going from one page to the next or do you um do you just kind of like let your characters do what you think they would do um, a little of both. So I, when I have my premise and I'm starting to write the story, I have a vague idea where I think I want the story to end. Mm -hmm. And again, I won't do spoilers, but for this is how I roll, I kind of envisioned that, that last scene. Yes. That was already in my head. Mm -hmm. So I kind of knew that's what I was working toward. But sometimes I'll envision a scene, uh, the ending scene, and when I get there, that will not really work. And I'll have to change it. So I have a vague idea what I'm writing toward, but all the bits to get there, I have no idea. And um, like I said, sometimes I'll think, oh, I think I know what happens next, and I'll try that. But honestly, sometimes the characters just take over. And um, I think you read um, Just Be Cool, Jenna Yes. I loved so, I loved the Broadway so references, especially. Of Lee's Diner. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the owner of the diner, uh, when I wrote her first draft, she absolutely took over. I had like eight chapters of her and her story, oh. and I was like, what is going on? And I had to go and delete all that and <laughs> tell her she needs to go somewhere else. She needs to take a, a much smaller role. So sometimes characters will take over. <laughs> yeah. So have any of your characters ever like taken over and the story wasn't originally about them, but then it became about them? You know, when I wrote Keep It Together, Keiko Carter, I had no intention of there being a follow-up. Mm -hmm. But by the by the time I was done writing, I was really curious about Jenna's story. I really mm -hmm. wanted to know why she was the way she was. And so I did. I asked my editor if I could, uh, I could write a companion novel about Jenna. And thankfully, she said yes. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of the case. As I was writing mm -hmm. Keiko Carter, I, I started to really gravitate toward Jenna. And um, I was really glad that I could write a story about her. Yeah, Jenna was such, I was so, I wanted to know more about her when I was reading because she just seemed so, she had so many different layers as a character. It was really nice getting to know her story. And about that book, I am in love with Broadway, so I enjoyed the, I really loved the Broadway-themed <laughs> diner. That was actually my editor's idea, I think. Oh, really? I, think I had a little Broadway, and then my editor was like, why don't you expand that and make it a theme so it's like a very original diner instead of your typical diner. So what's your favorite thing about writing? Like, what do you enjoy most about the whole process? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, my favorite stage of writing is revision, like mm -hmm. maybe the plotting or character revision draft uh, when things are starting to come together. But my favorite thing is characters, like getting to know my characters. And a lot of that takes place off of the page. Um, after I write a first draft, I will go and I'll do these character sketches and really get to know my characters. I'll figure out what their backstory is and maybe these things that happened to them before that never really quite makes it into the book, but is important for me to know so I know how they'll react to different things. Um, and I really enjoy that. I really It's like making a new friend. Um, every time I write a story, I get to make new friends with my characters. <laughs> yeah. I read a book about writing once, and it said if you need to explore your characters more, you can, like, basically have, like, a and a session with them. So do you ever do stuff like that where you just write out a bunch of questions about them and then you figure out um, more about them as you go? 
I have done that in the past. Um, I'll have a list of uh, basic questions that I ask them that I need to know, like, who's your best friend? And do you have any brothers or sisters? And what are you afraid of? So I have like maybe 10 to 13 questions that I always ask my characters. And then the, for me, the next step is for main characters. Like in um, This Is How I Roll, I did it for Sana, um, Charlie, her cousin, and um, Koji. Mm-hmm. But I let them journal. Like I let them talk out loud about um, something that happened during the day or something they're upset about. And even though the story's not told from Charlie's point of view or from um, Koji's point of view, um, they, I have pages of them just talking about stuff. And that way I can get to know them a little better. That's really cool. So my friend actually had a question for you, so I wrote it down. Um, okay. She wanted to know, she really likes writing too, and she's actually the one that read your book and then was telling me how good it was. Um, nice. She, she wants to know what advice you would give to young authors like me and, um, and her and basically any kid that wants to write a story. Uh, best advice? Well, I have several. Um, one is to read as much as possible. Um, and figure out what kind of stories you like best and the kind of stories you want to tell. Uh, the other thing that I think is one of the most important things is to have fun, um, to allow yourself to play and not think in your head, I hope this is the thing that's going to get me published, but because it, it, it's this journey. And if you put that kind of pressure on yourself, kind of like sometimes when you're not able to finish your first drafts, Mm -hmm. if you put that kind of pressure on yourself, it becomes hard or harder. And so for me, every time I write a first draft, I have to tell myself, I have to remind myself, this isn't, this is just for fun. Um, Because once I start thinking about the marketing, is this going to sell? Will readers like it? Will reviewers like it? Then it becomes very hard for me to write. So I think those are the two biggest advice. Read a lot and have fun. Well, thank you so much for interviewing with me, and I really enjoy all your books, and I can't wait to read the next ones you write. Thank you, and thank you so much for all your kind words and all the support and uh, wanting to take time to chat with me. Yeah. And I'm super happy to hear that you're a writer, too, so mm-hmm. I wish you a lot of luck with that. Have fun with it. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Miss Florence, for agreeing to do the interview. I had a lot of fun, and I think those writing tips will help a lot of kids. I can't wait to apply them to my own writing soon. I'm so excited to read more of your books. Hey, do you know what time it is? It's time for a message for the grown-ups. Hey, adults. So, in This Is How I Roll, there isn't anything super inappropriate. Crushes are discussed, but other than that, there's nothing you need to worry about. Trust me, your kids will love this book. It's perfect for kids ages 8 to 13. Now, it's time for the last segment on Hook of a Book. What emotion? You know the rules. Okay, drum roll please. The emotion I felt when finishing this book was... Satisfied. I don't want to spoil anything for you, but let's just say the ending was super satisfying. If you read the book, you'll know what I mean. I couldn't wait to share This Is How I Roll with you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Hook of a Book this week. If you have a book you want me to review on the show, you can email me at hookofabookpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send in a voice message that might be featured on a future episode. 
The links are in the episode description. To stay up to date with all things Hook of a Book related, you can check out Hook of a Book's Instagram. Sometimes additional book recommendations that aren't on the show will be featured there. The link is in the podcast description. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep on reading! Ellie out! Thank you.